Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. That's that's our uh, rhythm. That's uh, what we need. Uh, get, that, get that energy up. Uh, uh, uh. Literally, we are on minute nine and a half. And that we're is not uncommon for cutting us. Cutting all of it. Ooh, ooh. Um, Welcome to the show. We're doing this finally. Ready? Okay. Give me a T. Give me a P. Give me an I. You're alone on Give this. me an A. I'm not giving you What? <laughs> this podcast is haunted. Oh, welcome no, everyone to the show. Do not we are that. that one. That one is the show. <laughs> that is the worst. Why do I let you do this to me? I edit the show. This no. Okay, hang on. Okay, you Can edit you... the show season one and season four. That's true. That's true. You were gone. But this episode, yeah, I was a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Does that surprise? We've you? established this. I it's think it's very scary. This is within so, the canon. I think about it a lot. It's alarming. Mm-hmm. I'll post a picture later. Please do. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. What were we talking about? Excuse me. Um, so uh, this week, we had a very difficult time deciding what to do because we're because both we lazy are, as fuck. Are we lazy or are we depressed with executive function? Oh, that might be it. I think we have executive dysfunction. You I can't think... find a job. My job isn't in our fields. Yeah. you're. Well, you're dealing with a new job. I'm dealing with not having a job and also having a house. And so we were both like, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. Like, and that ping pong back and forth, back and forth until... My sister came and saved the freaking day. She was like, hey, here's some research and a subject. I'll yeah. see you guys in two yeah, weeks. Yeah, she was like, literally, she called me on the phone. She's like, oh, um, have you done Memphis yet? And I was like, you know, I don't think we have. She said, okay, cool. And then she just sent me three links. Guys, feel free to do that for us anytime. Honestly, yeah, we might hate you for it in the moment. Be like, I can do it. But then we'll definitely use it. <laughs> we were definitely like, Laura. I don't need this. We're going to be we're gonna be fine, Laura. And then like, mm, Saturday, Friday, we're Sunday. like, Sunday, we're like, fuck it, let's do it. I don't care. <laughs> it's not even that we don't care. It's that we literally are out of ideas. Like my poor brain is lightly smoking all the time. Mm-hmm. And like, I can't do. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So we are, we're, I did not... However, I can't say that we're just half-assing it. No. I did put some effort I into it. I full-assed this one once yeah. I was prompted. Right. Once we just... I don't know. Can somebody be our director? <laughs> A million people just raise their... No. A hundred people just raise their hand. <laughs> you know who really wants to do it is Dan. But oh. I feel like I can't listen to him. Yeah, that that might be bad for a relationship. <laughs> well, just like as soon as he gives me an order, I'm like a petulant child. Yeah, I don't want to do it. Exactly. That's exactly why I was like, I'm not doing Memphis. Okay, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I do want to just briefly touch on a few subjects near and dear to our heart. Mm-hmm. Um, coming out this week, near and dear to our heart, we've got the Downton Abbey movie. Are you so excited? <sighs> I'm so excited. It all started with Titanic, just like us. I did. Resurrected from the 10 minutes we're cutting out. (laughs) All right, so uh, yeah, big thank you to your sister Laura. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. She can be the Dowager Countess of our heart. Yeah, always. (laughs) There we go. See how I brought it back? Mm. (laughs) Brought it back around to business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're talking about Memphis today. I really love Tennessee. Yeah, have you been? 
I love Tennessee. It's actually like if I ever run away because I've killed Dan or somebody else. It's very specific. Uh-huh. <laughs> Look, it's almost always the spouse. We know that. You know that. That's very true. That. I listen to a lot of true crime. <laughs> you do. Yeah. So eventually, like Dan and I don't ever get divorced. We end in a murder suicide. So that tracks. <laughs> no. Um, also, I feel like you've just been laying breadcrumbs leading up to this this entire time. So this show will be played. In court. Can't wait. Can't wait. Although if it's a murder-suicide, I guess it doesn't really go to court. Well, I mean, I'm not going to be able to succeed. Oh, okay. Like, I'm not even good enough to kill me. But then you can just live for free. This is getting grim. Continue. <laughs> this is too grim. Anyway. Uh, no, so we can cut all that shit out. No, I, no. <laughs> it's just no, like no. how it's capable. It's the right amount. Okay. Right amount of grim. Um, anyway, so I love Tennessee. I think it's one of the most beautiful states. Memphis is awesome. They have their own pyramid. Yes, they do. It's a best pro shop. It is? Yes. I've only ever driven past it on the highway. Oh, yeah. No, that's what it is. I haven't been inside, but it's like the largest sporting goods store. It could not possibly have started ever. as a best pro no, shop. No, no. I think it was supposed to be like an arena or a convention center or something. Laura's yelling out to her phone. Um, but no, it, now it's... A Bass Pro Shop, and you can also stay in it. There's a hotel there. You know what? It's like every Michigander's uncle's dream. No, seriously. I went to a wedding last year uh, in a town, and my my friends chose this town because they have friends who let them get married on their property. Shout out to Jess and John, who were on the Eloise episode. Mm -hmm. At their wedding, the only thing in the town that they got married in is like a Bass Pro Shop and a hotel for people who go to the Bass Pro Shop. I want to know what else is in Dundee besides Cabela's. Because <laughs> that's a landmark for me on my way home. Is it's that like, in oh, Michigan? Look, there's all the bears fighting outside. Yeah, yeah that's the place that they got married. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that was it. That's amazing. So congratulations. Now everybody knows where Jess and John got married. Well, do you want to know something fun, though? It took me an embarrassing amount of time to realize why there's a pyramid in Memphis. And it's because really? I, I forgot that there's a that it's named after a city in Memphis, Egypt. Memphis, Egypt. Yeah. So okay. for any of you who are just figuring that out now, I'm with you. God, thank God you're pretty. <laughs> thank God you're it's pretty. Like, oh, why a pyramid? <laughs> And also the zoo is like Egypt themed. Fun. It's really cool. It's probably I bet it has a baller zoo. It's my favorite zoo I've ever been to. That's and I haven't I been to that one. I don't really like zoos either. And I went to that one. I was like, this one is awesome. You don't like zoos? No, because mostly it's just sad animals just like laying there and you're like, eh. Although Do you I, know would, how I would how stoked I would be if I were in a zoo. <laughs> like if I were say I was like, I don't know, a panda or something. Yeah, pandas are a bad example. They're too lazy to fuck. I'm not that lazy. Um, but they're just too dumb. Like, have you seen videos of pandas? They're so dumb. That's true. But I think they really are so lazy that they're too lazy to breed. Like, I think that's the whole problem. Yeah. But and I'm not, I'm not, as we know. Um, there's only two things that motivate me. <laughs> but anyway, uh, no, yeah. so like if I were like, I don't know, a moose, and I had to like Go around in the wilderness and be cold and eat moose food. Oh, okay. You just don't want to take care of yourself. <laughs> Never. <laughs> like, if somebody was like, you can go be a moose in the wild mm-hmm. and, like, live your moosey life and see whatever moose thing you want to see. Mm-hmm. Or you can stay in this 13 by 13 foot mm-hmm. pen. <laughs> Not really. And let people throw peanuts at you. Yeah. What do you think I would choose? 
That's a good point. You bet your fucking ass I'd choose the peanut pen. <laughs> and they'll bring me peanuts? Well, let me sign my moosey hoof on the dotted line here. I want to be a critter in a zoo so bad. Oh my God. Especially if every so often you could get caught like masturbating at some kid's birthday and party. And it's like cute. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, here's little Tracy's ninth birthday party. Oh, look at the monkey in the background. Mm. You know that monkey's me. <laughs> Just enjoy, Tracy. Happy birthday. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, are we going to talk about madness or are please, we going to talk about masturbating please, monkeys? God. <laughs> oh, I'm disgusting. Mm. Somebody should do something about me. <laughs> So, Memphis, do you know where it is? Yes, I've been there twice. All good. All right. Uh, it's actually the largest city on the Mississippi, one of the most important ports in our country. Mm. I know. Uh, it's in the very southwest corner of Tennessee mm-hmm. on the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. The first European explorer to go across that land was none other than Hernando de Soto. Oh. Hernando de Soto in 1541. Fortunately, you did a little Spanish flamenco move. I know. And I loved it, and I just want everyone else to know about it. I shook my titties at you. <laughs> um, so, uh, they actually have tracked Hernando de Soto and his trail of conquistadors through. Insert middle finger. Right, yeah. I, I have off. to like interpret all of your physical <laughs> moves right now. Yeah, sometimes I find myself nodding at the microphone too. Like, I'm like, that's no good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Hernando de Soto was a piece of shit. Yeah. Of course he was. Of I course mean, he was. All the conquistadors were he, pretty much. Yeah. He really, uh, he destroyed the Incan Empire almost single-handedly. Like, uh-huh. he's the conquistador of Peru. Thanks for that, motherfucker. Fuck those guys. Uh, he was born in the year 1500, died in 1542, which means that Tennessee almost killed him. Oh. Yeah. Come on. Uh, he actually uh, died um, in southern Alabama, mm-hmm. um, and he had... Uh, a battle just before where he killed between two and six thousand Native Americans. Himself? Well, his, his army? His guys. Okay. When he died, he had 700 hogs. Why is that a thing that we know? I don't know. But I'm really, it was like, I read all this information, like facts about his life, and that's the one that really stuck. Wow, he sounds like a real marriage potential there. Very marriage, very eligible. Very eligible. How many hogs do you have, sir? So uh, the town that he had this battle in um, was in southern Alabama. Uh, and of course, I wrote in Chicken Scratch. It looks like Mobile, but it's uh, Mabila. He burned the entire town to the ground, slaughtered about 6,000 people. Uh, and it was one of the most bloody battles in North American history. And we learn pretty much nothing about it because none of the white people died. Literally never heard of it. And I'm a history major. <laughs> yeah, it was the first time I'd heard of it too. So I'm not a history major, but uh, I think I play one on the radio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the town actually was not founded until 1819. So quite a bit Memphis? later. Memphis. Okay. It was founded by three people. You'll recognize one of these names. Okay. John Overton. Nope. Uh, John Overton was a slaver. Okay. And he used his prior, his his... Hmm, aptitude for selling humans. Or owning people, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. For buying and selling people. What's the word I want? The... Mm-hmm. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. He used his aptitude for selling fucking human beings mm-hmm. uh, to become one of the wealthiest people in Tennessee. They were joined by a man named James Winchester. Could not discover if they are related to the Winchesters. But Winchester, Tennessee is named for him. 
James Winchester also has a little bit of Michigan history. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was present at the River Raisin Massacre. Another thing I've never heard of. I'm here to help. Cool. It was part of the War of 1812. Uh, he got really soundly beaten by the Native Americans and the British uh, in Monroe, Michigan, which is on the River Raisin, I guess. Uh, 63 men were taken prisoner. The British were going to chain exchange for them, but instead the Native Americans murdered them outright. Um, so Winchester was one of the people to survive that. His good friend, Andrew Jackson. Oh, this guy. That motherfucker again. Yeah. yeah. Andrew Jackson adopted a bunch of kids and named them all Andrew Jackson. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Except for the one Native American child. who And he gave him some, like, now I have to look it up. Hang on one second while I Google. His name was Lincoya Jackson. So he got to keep his name, Mazel, to him to an extent. Yeah, Andrew Jackson sucked. Uh, he was a human dumpster fire, but he's also one of the founders of Memphis. Wow. Fun yeah. fact. Yeah, fun fact. In the antebellum South, which is the pre-Civil War South, um, it was a major port for trade. Mm-hmm. And then following the Civil War, because Memphis has one of the largest populations of freed black people, they turned into a huge port for trade. Like, the largest. Bigger than New Orleans. Uh, what's funny about that is that when you set people free uh-huh. and you give them economic agency, it's good for the economy. What? No. Yeah, yeah. That can't be true. Yeah, when you lock, like, a third of your population into human bondage... But, but they always said that the reason why we have to keep that system is for otherwise the economy would collapse. Right? They did say that, didn't they? Mm. Bunch of fucking liars, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it is actually, it still remains to this day, the largest population of African Americans in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a huge part of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that eventually Martin Luther King Jr., doctor, I'm sorry, forgive me. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated there at a hotel in 1968. Mm -hmm. The hotel room is preserved to the point the ashtrays are still full. Ashtrays? In a hotel? (laughs) The cigarettes are still there. Uh, The the sheets have never been changed out since 1968. Wow. They preserve everything of his last day. Amazing. It is kind of. Uh, They also have given part... it's, It's impartial relationship to a Smithsonian Museum, the National Civil Rights Museum, is present there. Cool. I know, that is cool. I have seen it from afar. And should probably go. (laughs) Yeah, we all should. That's an important thing. Um, So today, they're mostly known for music. Uh, Mm -hmm. Memphis Blues is a big damn deal. Mm -hmm. Um, They are known for their blues clubs, especially along Beale Street. Oh my god, can I just tell you about Beale Street? Okay, so I've been there once, so I'm an expert, but it is... Like the best place you could be at night. It's it's like at night they shut down the street. Actually, I don't know if cars can ever. Or, I don't don't. It's whatever. You can they shut down the street so you can walk. Like it's just like a big old block party, and then all the bars have like these big open like window fronts where they just open it, and you can just hear like blues coming out. And they always have like all these open mics and all these live performances, and there is also. Drive drive through windows like walk through windows where you can go and you get you can get alcohol in an open container. You can just walk around the street from club to club to club, just sipping on your fruity drink. Sounds and it a is lot like New Orleans. It's like adult Disneyland. That sounds amazing. We yes. should go there immediately. Yeah. Plus, they also have Memphis barbecue. Yeah. 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 I was talking to Laura on the phone about this because. 
spoiler alert, mine will be somewhat food related, but Memphis has the best food. It's true. It's so good. Everyone go there and get eat their barbecue. Laura had barbecue at her wedding and it was the best it meal. Is, it's delightful. Ever. It I absolutely have no trouble believing that. Um so these blues clubs on Beale Streets uh, developed their own particular flavor of blues. Mm-hmm. Uh, Memphis blues is what they're called. And it's actually kind of an emotional state sometimes. Oh, I've got the Memphis blues. Mm-hmm. Right? Kind of that yeah. southern slow. Uh, some of their most famous artists, Memphis Mini. Never heard this one. That's okay. But, okay. Um, I took an American history of American music class, oh. and we covered her. B.B. Uh, King. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Howl and Wolf. I have heard of Of course you have. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, Their most famous song, though, is uh, from a person named W.C. Handy. He he wrote, this was kind of Mm pre-radio, he wrote a song, The Memphis Blues. I'm going to play a little sketch for you right here. All right. 1919, can you tell? Mm. All right. We can only play a couple seconds. Um, Otherwise, we'll be sued by, what's his name? W.C. Handy. Yes. (laughs) From beyond the grave. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, so it just sort of, it became an iconic song. And this was pre-radio, so for something to go viral before radio. It's amazing. Yeah, pretty impressive. Um, And again, the barbecue. Oh my God, the barbecue. Uh, They actually do have the World Championship Barbecue Cooking Competition in Memphis every year. It brings over 10,000 people. Oh, nope, 100,000 people. All the ribs, all the mac and cheese. Can I tell you something really upsetting about my marriage? What? My husband doesn't like ribs. David doesn't either. We should divorce them. Yes. Well, you're we not should. married. You'll have to marry him and then divorce yeah, him. Yeah, but we sh- basically we should just get together and have ribs on our own and not invite them. Yep. Yep. I can make them in my Instant Pot and yep. then broil them in the oven. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so a couple paper pages here. All right, so I can't talk about Memphis without talking about Elvis. Elvis. I have to because I love him and he's weird. Yes. Obviously. The most famous place to go in Memphis, mm-hmm. Graceland. Which I haven't been. But next time. Yeah. Another, another place We should on probably go visit your sister and then get very, very drunk and go to Graceland. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so it was actually built to the house in 1939. This is just a quick rehash. I know mm-hmm. we've talked about Graceland before. Uh, purchased by Elvis for $102,000 in 1957. He would eventually die there. Mm-hmm. Um, or did he? Or did I think did. I made the same exact joke last time. <laughs> you might have. <sighs> anyway, um, it was originally at 1034 Audubon Way, but today is at 3764 Elvis Presley Boulevard. Yes. Right? That's how you know you made it, when they name your street after you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Elvis died uh, August of 1977, but Graceland has had alleged sightings of him ever since it became a public house in 1982. Visitors and workers do claim to see him around the property, uh, and it's the second most visited house in America after... The White House? The White House, that's correct. So, speaking of famous houses in Memphis, I have to talk about one of their historic sites, the Victorian Village. Yes. The Victorian Village. The Victorian Village is kind of like Grand Rapids mm-hmm. uh, Heritage Hill. Heritage Hill is a place in Grand Rapids that has all of these incredibly beautiful houses. Oh, so pretty. Some of them are, I mean, I think it's fair to say they're worth a couple million. Probably, yeah, yeah. and a lot of them are fixed up really nice and you yeah. can go on tours. 
They do, yeah. They do tours every spring of Heritage Hill. You guys We're should definitely check it out. We're not talking about this. We're yeah. talking about Memphis. Fuck Heritage Hill. We're here to talk about the Victorian <laughs> Village. Uh, so it's on the National Register of Historic Places. Uh, when fortunes were being made after the Civil War, some of the first millionaires were well-placed in Memphis. Hmm. Um, da, 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 da. Between 1846 and 1890, these newly moneyed and further moneyed, I mean, some of these people, you know, bought and traded human, humans beings. Humans <laughs> being. It's like the Kohl's de sac. <laughs> Kohl's de sac. Hang on, we're going to take that Attorneys again. Attorneys general. Why can't I ever talk when I Humans being. I like it. <sighs> so, these guys were buying and trading in human beings. Mm-hmm. And uh, they continued to make their fortune in other ways. So, they built these large Victorian mansions at what was then the edge of the city. Now it's like practically downtown. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, after the 1930s, didn't have a way to continue on as private homes. Mm-hmm. So, they are... Largely owned by the city, deeded to the city in the 30s, by and large. Um, And some of them have been turned into museums. Uh, One of those museums is also the Woodruff Fontaine House. Doesn't that sound great? Welcome to the Woodruff Fontaine House. Welcome to the Woodruff... No, I can't. Woodruff? Woodruff. Welcome to the Woodruff Fontaine Like if a tree had dandruff, it'd be Woodruff. Woodruff. (laughs) That was a terrible joke. Yeah. Take myself out to the woodshed. (laughs) The Woodruff shed. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, this is a public museum now. Um, It's popular also as a wedding venue. And uh, well, at the, least it's not a plantation. You are right. <laughs> Wasn't built until 1871. So there we go. <laughs> um, the address is 680 Adams Street, if ever you're interested. And the hours are Wednesday through Sunday, 12 to 4. That's it's right. They do tours. They do. And apparently the tour is pretty dope. Mm-hmm. So there you go. The original owner and builder was Amos Woodruff. <laughs> yes. Super great name. Amos. Oh. And you have to say it all Southern. Hang on. <clears throat> Amos Woodruff. Right? Did I did I do it? Yes. Good. It's more of like a Georgia. I no, all I have is deep I south. Know. I don't have middle south. I can't I don't do middle know south. What my di- the difference between different? It gets different. higher the farther you go north. Oh. So like a West Virginia one's right up here, and then like Georgia. Georgia. That's Georgia. the one I always think of. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what we were doing. Woodruff Fontaine. That's yeah. I think that's about right. Fuck us, right? Yep. If we're insulting your heritage. We're a bunch of Yankees. So. That's right. We fucking are. <laughs> I'm proud to be a Yankee. Yeah. So Woodruff, he was a carriage maker. That's how he made his initial fortune. But he was also an entrepreneur and a politician. Because, you know, once you have money, you have to keep that money going by stealing it from other people in politics. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I've been real cynical this this seven-year election cycle. Uh-huh. So <laughs> um, the second owner... Uh, is Nolan Fontaine, and he was part of the Memphis Cotton Exchange. So that's mm. how he made his money. So Amos Woodruff had the house designed by the firm Jonas, Jones and Baldwin. Jonas Brothers. <laughs> the Jonas. <laughs> he is. The Brothers Jonas. <laughs> uh, so his, uh, the neighbors at the house next door, which was another one of these millionaire estates, uh, called the Goyer Lee House, they were so impressed with the beauty of this house that they actually paid the same firm to do an expansion on their existing place. Mm. The style is French Victorian. It has, um, I don't know, it kind of looks like a gingerbread house, but without all the points. It's very, you know how French roofs are Mansard kind of flat. roofs? Yes. 
That was the I word. I took an architecture class. And it shows. Yes. <laughs> yes, a mansard roof. That's exactly the word I wanted. Thank you. Um, so Amos had a daughter named Molly, and she is the spirit that haunts this house. Did you guys forget this was a haunted story? Ooh, a, a, I love me a good haunted little Victorian girl house. Oh, she was a grown-ass woman. Oh. <laughs> but fun, That sounded very creepy when it came out. This is a shit show. Okay, this... where were we? <laughs> Um, yeah, so... Me making borderline inappropriate comments about Victorian girl ghosts. And me going right over the line with more inappropriate stuff that we took out for your own safety, guys. Deal Mm -hmm. with it. Uh, So Molly suffered a great deal in her bedroom, which is also not a great sentence. I'm going to take that again. That's not a good mouthfeel. No. (laughs) This keeps getting worse. But I kind of like it. Uh, I feel like we should lean into it. No. Lean into the eye. I shan't. <laughs> so Molly was a grown woman. She married a man. Had some bad times in her bedroom. <laughs> I'm going to Sharpie your shirt. So yeah, so Molly. Molly gets married. She gets married? She got married. Oh, good for her. But she didn't move out. No. Oh. She stayed at home with her husband in their house with her parents. I guess it's big. Yeah, it's a big house. And I don't think it was uncommon for people to stay with their parents for like a long ass while. Oh, so you mean that um, people didn't judge Children for Are you feeling a little judged right now, Jen? I don't live with my parents. They just pay for me. (laughs) You're right. All right. Well, anyways, no. They were less judging back then. Unfortunately, uh, while she was giving birth to her first son... She had a bad time in her bedroom. (laughs) She did. She gave birth at home, and her son died. Oh. Oh, now you feel bad, don't you? Yeah, you should. You're a monster. (laughs) Uh... Two months after that, mm. her husband also died. Oh, jeez. He got in a boating accident. and A boating accident? I know. Uh, he got in a boating accident. He didn't die right away, but his injuries festered in his lungs. He had so much oh. liquid in his lungs that it gave him pneumonia, and that's what eventually Probably killed him. Probably that good, good uh, Mississippi water. Yeah. Because <laughs> when I think of stuff I want in my lungs, I think of the Mississippi. <laughs> Anyway, so, um, long story short, Molly is the ghost that they see around this house. But she's not the one who's dead yet. When did she die? She gave birth to her kid in, like, 1878. I know. She died. (laughs) What? Listen, take that question out, because I don't have an answer to it, and it looks like I didn't do my homework. Wait, you don't know when she died? No! They didn't have, I couldn't find any evidence that she was even a real person. Take the story as it is, Jen. Okay, alright. That's why I did a bunch of little stories. Gotcha. You've already had two of them. Yeah, go on. Okay. Uh, so Molly, in all of her sadness, her She's spirit is trapped definitely there. Definitely real. Definitely a real person. I will kill you. <laughs> Listen, man. Doing the best I can. Yep. Uh, <laughs> aren't we all? Aren't we all? Uh, so Molly is the spirit there. Uh, She's seen in her bedroom frequently. Mm-hmm. People will address her and then she'll disappear. Mm-hmm. But... She was usually seen sitting on the bed, and there's always a depression left in the comforter. I know. I love it when there's, like, a physical thing behind. Mm -hmm. Uh, People also apparently smell her perfume throughout the house. Mm -hmm. So it's a very small haunting, uh, but it is relevant, and it's something that a lot of people have experienced. Mm -hmm. Now, let's leave the almost downtown and go directly to the downtown. Hell yeah. Hell yes. Party time. We gotta talk about my favorite thing in a town. Mm -hmm. An old theater. Ah. And of course, like almost every theater of this age, it's called the Orpheum. Yeah, why is that? Because Orpheum is the god of dreams. Oh. Orpheus is the god of dreams or something like that. 
Yeah. Orpheus dreams, you know. I'm trying so hard not to sing Hades Town at you guys right now. Uh-huh. Orpheus, my heart is and yours. You yes, I did. <laughs> I'm always going to fail every time. <laughs> anyway, um, this is actually a really sad story, uh, but it is quite brief. I, again, could not find a whole lot of fleshy details. Can I tell you something that I cannot physically keep in anymore? You've never heard Hades Town? Well, no, I've heard of it. I've never listened to the soundtrack, but... When he said Orpheus, like, oh, you know, from theater. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, from that famous play. And then I was like, what is what what am I thinking of? Symphony, what am I thinking of? And then I shit you not, my first thought was Orpheus in the outfield. Like angels in the outfield? <laughs> the 1992 <laughs> family smash hit starring Danny Glover and a very young... Uh, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt? I know now that it's Orpheus in the underworld. is It is. Yeah. Yes. Yep. But no, That's in the outfield. Not what I thought of. I <laughs> desperately, desperately want there to be a baseball team called the Orpheus now. The Orpheus. Orpheus in the outfield. And just Joseph Gordon-Levitt flapping his little baby arms. <laughs> flapping his little baby arms so his dad comes home. Yeah. Uh, also watched that movie, Angels in the Outfield, a couple of years ago. And uh, you know who makes a surprise appearance? Hmm. All right, all right, all right, all right. Oh, that guy's a in lot it. of all rights. That's, yeah. He teaches a class now. He does. He's a professor. Anyway, what were you going to say before I had my outburst? I already, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is why we get one-star reviews. The theater. The theater. The theater. The theater. What happened? Sorry. Okay, stop. I was literally going to start singing White Christmas. So in this theater, mm-hmm. uh, back in 1921, there was a trolley track that ran throughout the center of the town, which was very common in towns of that. I think the tracks are still there. They might be. I think yeah. there's also still a trolley that goes downtown. God, I love a trolley. Yeah. I don't know if like that's just Fred Rogers working through me. Mm. I fucking love a trolley. I fucking love a trolley. <sighs> They're so magical. Mm-hmm. My cousins live quite near the one that runs through New Orleans, kind of like right down the center of the flower district. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like that little car goes whipping past and you're like, magic. And then you just hear ding, 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 ding. Clang, clang, clang goes the trolley. No, all right, all right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Come on, come I'm sorry. On. I don't get to sing in the car anymore. Yeah. Anyway, um, this little girl died. Shit. Again. I know. Again. Why are we so... What is the matter with us? Uh... All right. So this little girl died. She was hit by the trolley. Oh. And she died just outside the Orpheum Theater. Mm-hmm. Her spirit ended up inside the Orpheum Theater. It's probably more interesting in there. Yeah, outside there was just blood. Too dark. Yeah, I mean, not for that long. It got cleaned up. <laughs> right. Do you know how they do that? How? They pour Coca-Cola on it. All right. It makes it run away. Mm. So anyways, uh, the little girl was named Mary. And ever since 1921, there have been all sorts of childlike laughter in the Orpheum Theater. Lights going on and going off. She's especially present when there are other children in the theater. So if it's a show that's really appealing to children. So like Annie? Annie. Or Beauty and the Beast. Um, she will more than likely make herself known. Uh, she also shows up frequently if there are many children in the show, like Sound of Music. sucks for those kids. <laughs> Can you imagine? The theater always leaves one seat open for her. C5. And sometimes people can position their seats so that they can sit next to her and hope to have an experience. Isn't that fun? It is fun. Also, I'd be shitting my pants the entire time. <laughs> like, what's, what's, what's going on? What's going on? I I don't know. Children don't scare me, I guess. 
Why are they opposite that way? That's true. <laughs> Discuss <All> this. <laughs> Children, it scare me especially. <laughs> All right. So those are my tiny Graceland, Memphis, Victorian village hauntings. Uh, I guess you have quite the whirlwind for us. Uh-huh. The face that you're making right now <sighs> is a little scary. Well, today uh, we're going to stay downtown. Downtown. Um, <laughs> Somebody should stop me. Uh, and we are going to talk about... Um, Angels in the Outfield some more? Yes, uh, an American classic. Why can't I come up with that guy's name? All I'm coming up with is Matt Lauer, and that's not right. Matthew, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Thank you. I read, I read, I read, I read. He only does it three times. I'm better than him. <laughs> okay. Those are facts. Okay. Um, so I'm here to tell you about... Uh, possibly America's most haunted bar. I love a haunted bar. Wait, unless they're breaking bottles of tequila. No. They don't break the alcohol? No uh, tequila has been harmed in the making of, the this, making story. of this story. Yes. Wonderful. Well, tequila's very important. I don't know if I can me. say that for its entire history, but at least not anymore. It's not like something that it's known for. So anyway, this bar is located on 531 South Main Street in Memphis. Oh, it's three blocks away from the Orpheum. Three blocks away from the Orpheum, about a block away from where Laura got married. Fun. Uh, and it's also a couple blocks away from the Lorraine Hotel. Okay. So this is kind of in the main drag of Memphis. It's not Beale Street, but you know, it's where there's a lot going on. So uh, this building was... Uh, built in 1906 or the late 1800s, depending on which story you read. Okay. But 1906 was the most definite date that I heard. It was intended to be a church and presumably was a church for some time. I also only read that it was intended to be a church. But, but this is a better use. Yeah. And in the 1930s, it became a dry goods or the sundry store. It's still um, on the sign outside. Cool. Um, and pharmacy owned by one Abe Plow. Great name. Yeah. Abraham Plow. Yes. So this man um, was a pharmacist and he... He was a pharmacist in 1906? No, 1930s. Oh, so he he just stopped prescribing heroin as medicine. Uh, yeah. 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 I think that happened in like the 20s, the 30s, somewhere in there. Sure. So he struck it rich when he invented a chemical hair straightener that was... Was he African-American? I think so. Okay. There was a lot of innovation within the black community uh, to make beauty products that would appeal to African-American women because they had a huge percent of buying power that was untapped. People didn't know. Mm -hmm. One of the first black millionaires. Nope. Sorry. Well, he was 100% white. He's I just 100% definitely white. wanted to fact check that before no, we got I appreciate you checking that. that. It's really surprising that he's white. He made a chemical hair straightener and he was white. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, how many people did he snatch bald? Uh, I don't know, but this is not the end of his story. Okay. Because he also invented, <laughs> as we all do, right. not me, someday, <laughs> he also invented copper tone sunscreen. Oh, see, that's a product white people need. Yes. Jen. I should have just kept going with the story and then you would have and assumed would have correctly. Known, yeah. uh, copper tone sunscreen saved your life a couple of times, hasn't it? It is the only reason I am still alive. Yep. Thank you, Mr. Plow. <laughs> In case those of you have never seen Jen, Jen is just a match. Just go pick up a piece of paper and you've, you're on the right track. <laughs> Crisp fallen snow is roughly her pallor. Irish. Very. I'm only Irish a little and Dutch. bit, but I'm enough Irish to make it count. 
Um, anyway, so this man, savior of my life and my complexion, uh, he struck it rich with those inventions. Um, his hair straightener was used in salons throughout America. And copper tone sunscreen is, you know, copper tone sunscreen. So he became a little too big for his britches just owning one pharmacy in Memphis. So he decided, I think, to give the property, the building, to a pair of sisters who were running a salon upstairs. Sisters? Yeah. <laughs> sisters? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, st- I could see it on your face. Yeah. Every thought I've ever had runs right across my yeah. face. Yep. Yep. Uh, a pair of African-American sisters um, uh, named Ernstine Mitchell and Hazel Jones. I like their names. Yes. Yes. Why do I know these names? Because they were given the building and they decided... Did we cover this story before? did not cover this story before. I would know. I'm pretty sure. Why would we have... American sisters who are girls... Just let me keep going. Okay. <laughs> we, would, we would remember this. Okay. More. I hope so. Yes. Um, so they were given this... Uh, building in the 1950s and they decided to turn it into a cafe and they called it Ernestine and Hazel's. Perfect. And it is still called Ernestine and Hazel's today. Adorable. So you can go ahead and find it. I was trying to be all like, what is it? What is it? But I will probably put it in the description. So it's like fucking whatever. I don't know. You all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So they decided to turn it into a cafe because Ernestine's husband, uh, a street promoter named Sunbeam. Cool. I like that name. Yeah. It'd be weird on, like, I don't know, kids today, but I like it back then. Oh, yeah. Today would be... Sunbeam has never seen a vaccination that in his is... life. <laughs> yeah. Sunbeam is six and already has an oil roller. Sunbeam is too whimsical for Montessori. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny because I've taught Montessori and there ain't no such thing. <laughs> uh... Also, I like that as a standard. Too whimsical for Montessori. Like, what a great side bash. <laughs> Wow, that is some side eye. Yeah. Um, but this sunbeam was a little cooler. Um, he. <laughs> did you hear what you did there? Yeah, I get it now. <laughs> did you do it on purpose? No. I love it. <laughs> All right, stay with me. I'm stay sorry. With I'm me. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everything's um, terrible. He decided to open a music club nearby called Club Paradise. Good name. Yeah. Especially for a guy named Sunbeam. Yeah. And he seemed to be pretty successful because he hosted legends such as B.B. King. Awesome. Tina Turner. Aretha Franklin. <gasps> oh, um, so this is like more modern. This. Oh, yeah. You said the, it was the 1950s. Starting around the 1950s. Yeah. Uh, Motown. Amazing. Uh, Ray Charles. Bo Diddley. Sam Cooke. Chuck Berry. And Jackie Wilson. Sam Cooke. Sam Cooke from right now. No. Okay. <laughs> presumably some other. Yeah, I think I know. I actually probably have a Sam Cooke song on my phone. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who this is, but you know what? That's He's cool. famous. Um, so for twenty years, starting around in the fifties, performers um, at Club Paradise would end the night. Uh, would they would perform at Club Paradise, and then they would walk over to Ernestine and Hazel's, uh, where they would eat food, tell stories, and hang out. Um, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Like, imagine, like, watching B.B. King. Yeah. And then going and have, like, a rib sandwich with him. Yeah. Yeah, that this is, good. like, the after party. So, like, you go, and there's, <laughs> I shit you not, one of the stories is, oh, do you want to go see the room where Ray Charles did heroin? 
Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, you can't go there, and you could see it. <laughs> do they have like little needle and tray and spoon or like? No, no, they might. <laughs> well, they probably don't. The so it's it does still look pretty much the same, especially the upstairs is basically preserved exactly as it was. So I told you it, it was a salon that the sisters ran. Mm-hmm. Um, they turned it into there's actually a second bar upstairs now. Fun. I don't know when it... This is exactly the kind of salon I want to go to, yes. where it's secretly two different bars. Yes. And you can see where Ray Charles yes. did heroin. Also, there's rooms upstairs. And you can stay there? And you can stay there. Shut up! Not anymore. Oh. <laughs> Boo. You'll understand why in a second. Okay. <laughs> so it was also near the train station, so it was like originally supposed to be like, you know, a hotel that you could stay at when you're, you know, going to catch a train or if you just got off a train. And they realized that uh, you can make more money when you rent rooms by the hour. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> than, can. Than by the night. Twas a brothel, eh? Twas a brothel. <laughs> I do love a brothel. Yes. So, uh, it yeah, it quickly turned into one of the most hopping brothels in Memphis. Hopping. Hopping. <laughs> a lot of hopping. So not only would these uh, stars go from performing at Club Paradise and then go to the after party and to they... hang out, do drugs, and, and share stories and drink alcohol, but they'd also find their way upstairs. You know, they got <laughs> the an enterprising lady of the night. <laughs> I have to commend Ernestine and Hazel. They really... Um... They fucking know what they're doing. Well, yeah, they, they set mm-hmm. up a multifaceted... They diversified. They diversified their portfolio. Yes. They were like, we're going to make this one they building. They really made the most of this one building. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's also a story that I found that um, said that there was... Because it was a well-known brothel, you know, the women were like, why is my husband not home? They would know to, like, storm into Ernestine and Hazel's to come looking for their husband. And so Ernestine installed, like, a buzzer, like, in the bar where they could just push it and be like, morning, everyone get out. Your wives are here. Your wives or possibly are... the cops. Yeah. You know, presumably. You don't yeah. want to be, like, balls deep in mm-hmm. somebody. Or, you know, I'll also say uh, there were other ladies who were probably... I don't know. Cervix, 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 cervix deep. Cervix deep. Thank mm-hmm. you. It's like I can't talk today. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll presume that this is equal equal opportunity fucking. Yep. Yep. Um, and anyway, there's like a side door, a side escape route. <laughs> so like the silent alarm goes off and everybody like suddenly is just like tromping out with yeah. doing their fly up. Yeah. Basically. Not suspicious at all. No. So this this continued, like I said, for about 20 years. Um, by the 1970s, most of downtown Memphis was essentially boarded up. It was just not a great time in a lot of downtown cities' lives, really. Yeah. Like, if you think of the 70s and basically any metropolitan well, just city. the economy got global yeah. in that time period. Yeah, the economy got fucked. And so people, and white flight was in... Certainly. Was definitely happening. And so you just have a lot of very depressed downtown areas and so did Ernestine and Hazel's kind of keep everything going Ernestine and Hazel just kind of uh, no they they saw where the wind was blowing and they decided to shut down the place and Club Paradise also was shuttered um the apparently the brothel still continued I think they still like owned the building but they just weren't really running anything actively okay so that just continued for 
a while. In comes one Russell George. I really wanted you to say Russell Crowe. Oh, no. But anyway, all right, Russell George. That would have been an amazing turn. That would have been great. (laughs) But this guy, I feel like, is even better. Literally the first sentence describing this man. Russell George didn't dance like a white boy. I can't wait. I can't wait. (laughs) Tell me more. Apparently he had cool parents. Um, and he grew up listening to blues and jazz, and he learned all the like specific dance moves that go along with all these like Motown. Is that the secret songs. to being cool? Do you have to have cool parents? Is it like genetic? I mean, I feel like that's definitely part of it. Like if you grow up listening to a certain kind of music, and you're like, yeah, I'm fucked. My parents are into singer songwriters. I mean, my parents are into cool music, but then look at me. So that's not a given. <laughs> true you're not cool <laughs> thank god thank um, god or we wouldn't be able to be friends right um so he i i think the difference is he knows how to dance <laughs> and he i just dance kinda, like a white boy i just kind of wiggle <laughs> i demonstrated yep i wasn't gonna rat you out no that's why i'm a better friend than you uh so he he knew like the mashed potato and i'm like all the things um he attended the mid-south coliseum to compete in the James Brown dance contest, judged by James Brown himself. Hot dog. He was the only white boy in the competition. Did he win? And he won. I'll be goddamned. And he was 10 years old. No. Yes. Oh, that actually tells me some things about his parents that, like, they maybe were not very good parents. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I just, you know, a tiny 10-year-old white boy... Doing that and also like knowing like the dirty dancing moves of, well, I guess it's the 70s though, right? It's, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't give a date for this, okay. but we can kind of like 60s, do the 70s kind of like nightlife sort of stuff. I don't know. Maybe this guy didn't have a great home life. And I also mean, maybe I'm just speculating like an asshole. There's like literally nothing written about his parents that I could find except for their taste in music. So, all right, all right. very good. He turned out okay. Good for him. Um, <laughs> except. At the age of 15, he opened his first bar, an illegal bar run out of an apartment uh, that he called Jefferson in the Rear. No. (laughs) No. Yeah. Why? The jokes write themselves. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's what his point was. Oh, no. (laughs) I won't make them. I'm better than this. You are. Keep going. I kind of want to just watch you squirm. No. I will not squirm. So, Jefferson in the Rear. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he knew. Um, in his 20s, he helped to open Murphy's Oyster Bar, which I think is still open in Memphis, and I think I've seen it. I could be making that up. Anyway, eventually he became the band manager and dancer for the R&B band, the Memphis Icebreakers. Hmm. Fun. Yes. And it was during this time, um, in 1992, that a nightclub owner and friend... Um, of his drove him by Ernestine and Hazel's and proposed that he turn it into a bar. Okay. Yeah. And that's where we're headed. And that's where we're headed. So our friend Russell George, he saw the potential and he decided, yeah, I will buy this building and fix it up and turn it into a bar. Uh, So he (laughs) kind of kicked out the remaining sex workers upstairs. (laughs) Sure. And started fixing it up so it wasn't going to actively fall down. Yep. Um, but he did pretty much leave all the rooms upstairs exactly the same. Because honestly, if you were fixing up a bordello, wouldn't you just like you would just close the door mm-hmm. and just yep. be like, no, there is no upstairs. Leave it. Yeah. There's only so many But also suits. character. <laughs> I guess. 
Um, so he fixed it up enough to still be standing, um, and he reopened the bar on St. Patrick's Day, 1993, which is the best time to open a bar. That's true. Yeah. That's true. You can't go wrong. By the way, uh, Hazel died in 1995, and Ernestine died in 1998, so they were, you know, just... At least they got to see it be successful again. Yeah. So Ernestine passes in 1998, Mm -hmm. where Hazel does. No, that was Ernestine. All right, good for me. Trust your instincts, Kate. Um, So he um, opens the bar and he decides to serve only one food item, a burger he calls the Soul Burger. Nice. It consists of a bun, patty, onions, cheese, pickle, and soul sauce, which is somewhat barbecue adjacent. It's probably like half ranch dressing, half barbecue. I don't think it's ranch dressing. This is the South, not the Midwest. That's true. (laughs) We do put ranch dressing on everything. Yeah, that's... I think it's mostly just barbecue sauce. Sounds delicious. Yes, I I love it. I like Sounds a I like so a good. vinegary bar- barbecue sauce, mm-hmm. which okay. is more of a Carolina thing. In the different types of barbecue. Sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can get uh, like a single patty or a double, um, and it's served with chips in a bag, uh, and there's like a list of like maybe ten beers, and they're all like very like like domestic. It's like Bud Light and, and, Yen Yen and, and like, like yeah, yeah. It's kind of Corona. It's no craft beer bullshit. This is <laughs> so it's a little bit divey, and it oh. wouldn't like it would not survive Grand Rapids. It is one of America's best dive bars. Fun. That's what it's known for, uh, and it's all also like super cheap. Oh, how like I do love cheap. Tell me more. <laughs> I I tried to find out, and it oh. literally will not tell me. Even <laughs> called Laura. I was like. Do you know how much the Soul Burger is? <laughs> Go find out, Laura. Go get please, your ass in please. there and eat something and come back. Well, um, I'm going there for Thanksgiving probably, oh. and I have told Laura that we are definitely going here, yes. so I will report back. And I cannot wait to have that burger because it's so good. It does. And she said that they also kind of like fried the onions a little bit, so they're like a little juicy. Mm. Oh. Mm. All right. Yep. So this is not, this podcast is hungry. This is, this podcast is haunted. But this podcast is hungry. Um, <laughs> did you eat? Have, I didn't feed you tonight, so I feel guilty. No, I did eat. Okay, good. That's the irony. <laughs> That's the secret. I'm always hungry. So that is the menu. I'm very hungry and I want a burger. So we're now in the late 90s to 2000. Also known as the greatest time to be alive. The greatest decade. Only 90s kids will remember. <laughs> Now that we've been insufferable millennials, elder millennials, elder millennials, elder, um, a woman named Karen Brownlee was working at a meat market where she was a butcher, and she was selling. She was the one selling meat to Russell George for his burgers. He, you know, got to know her and said, "Hey, if you ever want a job, come by the bar, and I'll give you a job at the bar." And she thought about it, and she took him up on the offer and started uh, working there. In 2001 and has been there ever since and is now one of the managers. Cool. Moving on up. That's all you need to know. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Great story. See you next week, guys. Cool, cool. Uh, So she has been there for almost a decade. So she has gotten to know the place very well. And she has some stories. Do tell. Yes. Um, And she even published her own essay on Vice um, about her experiences I love Vice. I think Vice is still fun, but also has some integrity. 
Yeah, borderline. Um, this this particular essay should have been uh, copy edited, but eh, what can you do? <laughs> what can you do? It was the stories were still there. By the a way, a lot of people will tell us that this podcast should be copy edited. <sighs> yeah, but you know what? We're not. Actually, guys, you know what's funny? We do edit this. We do edit it. You should hear what doesn't make it. Oh, it was 10 minutes. It <laughs> shall never be heard from again. Um, by the way, my sources for this whole story come from Karen's essay. Oh. What it's like to work at at the Most Haunted Bar in America and Vice. Um, also from an article by Kevin Alexander called The Long Twisted History of Ernestine and Hazel's America's Greatest Burger Dive Bar. From uh, that, that's published on Thrillist, um, and then there um, also from the Ernestine and Hazel's official website. Uh, thank you for bringing that up. My sources were Wikipedia, as per always, mm-hmm. and also a listicle that your sister sent us, and I'm just gonna keep going up until I find it. Styleblueprint.com: Nine Haunted Memphis Landmarks. Thank you. Boom. Cited in the middle of the show. I am personally amazed. I did not visit Wikipedia once for the the reporting of this story. I'm very proud of you. I know. I'm proud of me too. Mazel. Thank you. I don't, I can't say that. That's fine. Yeah. Wikipedia has its place in the world. Wikipedia is very useful and we all rely on it. And you're dominant elitist if you think that. that we do for free. That is not, uh, you know, my, my doctorate dissertation. Yeah. So there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People who hate who people who hate on Wikipedia are kind of elitist. Get it together, people. Yeah. Anyway, so some of the things that Karen has experienced throughout her time working at Ernestine and Hazel's. Can't wait. Hearing the piano playing upstairs when no one is there. Awesome. And this, like, a lot of people experience this too, but specifically, she wrote this all in her essay. Mm-hmm. Um, hearing people wandering around and talking upstairs when no one else is there. She says, quote, you can't take a picture up here uh, without getting an orb in it. Hmm. Which, you know, take yeah. that as you will. Also, um, maybe it's just real dusty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's pretty sure all the spirits are women. She heard through the grapevine that some of the sex workers might have been killed upstairs. Um, There's one story about one woman either falling, jumping, or being pushed out of a window on the second story. All too common a story. Yeah. All too common. Sex work is work. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't feel, you know, very negative there uh, because she's been there so long. She says, quote, I feel like whatever's in here will take care of me because I've been here so long. I respect the place. And so one of the one of the spirits she believes is taking care of her is Ernestine herself. Lovely. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I'll skip ahead to read that one story. There's a lot of stories that she has. So this was very personal for her. She goes, and I'm just going to read it word for word. So this is me quoting. Um, she says, like I said, I've been working here a long time. In 2007, my 24-year-old son got killed. Oh. I was at work and found out that he had gotten shot. To make a long story short, this was how I knew... That Ernestine, I think it's Ernestine, was watching out for me. I think uh, when I came back to work, I was sitting at the end of the bar by myself and I was crying. I said, God, please give me a sign that my kid's all right. It used to be when I got freaked out in here that I would just start talking to Ernestine. I know that sounds crazy, but sometimes you're in here by yourself and it can get a little creepy. I said, Ernestine, please give me a sign that my kid's all right. Out of nowhere, this little baby bird came walking up to me right over from one of the booths. I looked down and the little bird walked over to an iron gate where the door was open and it flew off. That was my sign that my kid was okay. When I started talking to Ernestine and the bird appeared and flew off, it was weird, man. 
And just then, this little lady came in that I'd never seen before in my life. She walked in and said, hey lady, are you okay? I don't know where she came from, never saw her again, but I started talking to her a little bit about everything. And you know, that lady left my bar and she came back about an hour later and she had bought me a sterling silver necklace with a bird on it. I love that. Yeah. I love when people have a story that brings them a great deal of peace. Mm-hmm. I So if you listen to the Rosemary episode, mm-hmm. you guys know I've struggled with some of these things. Yeah. And uh, the amount of stress that I have dropped Mm-hmm. since that episode because I have that little bit of peace. I was able to you guys heard it in real time. I got mm-hmm. that little bit of peace. It changes yeah. the way your brain is working. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Yeah, I mean and it could have been random coincidence for the skeptics and Absolutely. all of us. But it it brought her peace and that's what's important. Yep. So she yeah, she doesn't really feel scared there. Um other people on the other hand. <laughs> um she goes um she says uh there's a guy f- for 15 years, um, who was a cleany man, I think. Yeah, I don't I don't think I wrote that part down. But yeah, this guy would like come and clean the place. Um, for 15 years, he went upstairs one day and I swear he came running down through the bar, out the door, all the way home. He will not go upstairs to this day. He saw something in there that scared him to death. Did he tell us what it was? I don't know. <sighs> he just didn't want to work anymore. He was like, you know what? Fuck this job. Uh, yes. Uh, one of my favorite parts, though. Um, there's a jukebox, um, so much, it's like known for this jukebox. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the main website is, uh, Ernestine and Hazel's jukebox. Ernestine and Hazel's juke joint.com. Cool. So go there for all of your questions about open hours and menus. Where was I? Okay. But this jukebox will play music kind of randomly that pertains to the current conversation. No way. Which is super fun. I, I love that. Try it. So there's a lot of stories about this. Um, I mean, I assume it's just kind of working as a normal jukebox at other times. And then just randomly, it'll like just cut to a different song. Um, So uh, Karen has said that uh, she and a coworker were discussing James Brown the day he died. All of a sudden, the jukebox starts playing, I feel good. Oh, see? Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. That is very cool. Um, Another time, there was a a paranormal investigator was in here talking about exorcism and stuff with Russell. And all of a sudden, the song by the Rolling Stones, Sympathy for the Devil, started playing. Perfect. Yeah. So this jukebox has some good taste, too. Yeah. And then this is according to uh, the official website. They have a whole page devoted to the jukebox um, that says, Some ladies came in to celebrate a divorce and immediately heard the jukebox select D-I-V-O-R-C-E by Tammy Wynette. Good song. (laughs) And then another time, a businessman heard uh, that song, That Smell by Leonard Skinner, after telling a story about how bad it smelled after his co-worker threw up in a cab. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so that's like a lot of different stories about that. Um, It's... I... That would be the most amazing thing. I, think, I if there's gonna be a haunted artifact uh-huh. that also taps into what's going on and yeah. like, I mean, there's almost like a little tongue in cheekness to that. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I love mean, that. That's a good sense of humor. That's a really great. That's a good haunting. Yeah, that's like a good like. Ooh, 
But then it's like fun because it picked a great song. Right. <laughs> like, all right, I do feel good. I do feel good. People have also reported feeling like being touched standing by the jukebox and also other places around the bar. I think Laura said that like one of her friends like felt either a chill or or being touched. So it's like very common for people to feel cool. that. Yeah. Another reason why I'm going there. <laughs> You're always this seeking. Gonna be like, where's the chill? <laughs> Somebody touch me. Touch me. Yeah. Um, oh, I mixed stories. That that one guy who was there for 15 years might not have been the cleanup guy because there's a quote that says, everyone used to think that the cleanup guy we had for years was crazy because he would say that as soon as he'd walk into certain rooms, uh, he would hear voices say, here he is again. Yeah, that's Spooky. unsettling. Yeah. Uh, she's also said that sometimes you can see faces in the walls. Oh, uh, very is... the yellow wallpaper. Yeah. From what I can tell, from the pictures I've seen of this place, it's like the upstairs was painted like really bright blue, but it's got like plaster like work showing through where it's chipped off over the years. Okay. So you could, I could see like seeing faces like in the plaster work or yeah, something. Yeah, that would be unsettling. Um, and downstairs is just kind of like... It's a dive bar. Right. So there's just a lot going on. It probably looks like every dive bar ever. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of does. And then there was some people were sitting at the bar making fun of ghosts and uh, talking trash about Ernestine and Hazel. All of a sudden, the lights started getting brighter, dimmer, brighter, dimmer until it was bright as sunshine in here. They freaked out and left. Those people sound like assholes. Yeah. How dare you? Good for you, Ernestine and Hazel. Yeah. And then one last story I found. Well, not last. Uh, I'm not done. <laughs> there was just a break in my page. Another one of Karen's stories is uh, one time we had a money bag go missing. Couldn't find it. Looked everywhere. Then one Friday, literally five years later, I was shooting pool with a coworker and it was dead as heck at the bar. <laughs> I knocked the cue ball off the table and it rolled underneath the couch. We picked up the couch and underneath it laid a money bag with cobwebs and stuff all over it. The next Saturday, another coworker was shooting pool. Same thing happened. Knocked the cue ball off and it went under the couch. We picked up the couch and in the exact same spot was the money bag that had been missing for five years. That's wild. Yeah. So weird. So this story does take a, a bit of a sad turn. Um, and for a content warning, it does mention um, suicide. So if you want to skip ahead uh, about like a couple minutes, please, please do so if you need. Yeah, help if you need to take out. that moment of protection. Yeah. Um, so Sunday, September 8th, 2013, I'm going to be, I'm going to just read from this Thrillist article because it's written better than I will say it. Um, Sunday, September 8th, 2013, after the bar shut down at 3 a.m. and the last musicians and jazz heads and beer drinkers and burger eaters and co-workers and friends made their way out of the bar, Russell George retired to his office upstairs and closed the maroon door. When a co-worker opened it the next morning, he found George inside with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. They'd said he'd quietly been battling cancer and depression and other things that started coming for a man when his life rounds a particular bend. They said he was the 13th person to die inside Ernestine and Hazel's. I hope he's the last. Yeah. Soul Burger creator Russell George, the white boy who didn't dance like a white boy, was dead at 62. So that's really sad. It is really sad. And I found an article about it. And a lot of people were just, you know, commenting, lamenting on how great a guy he was and how sad they were. And uh, yeah, so sincere condolences to all anyone who might have known him. But yeah, it was just it just seems like super, super sad. And and Karen mentions it in her article, too, where 
um, you know, she, she, you know, had a very close relationship with him. And so she just doesn't really like to talk about it much, but um, yeah, so they um, have actually just locked his office um, and nobody goes in there anymore, but it is said to be one of the most haunted rooms in the building at this point. So that makes sense. Yeah. I wouldn't want to go in there either. Yeah. I can only imagine the sort of energy it left behind. Yeah. So we're going to be done talking about that. So yeah. y'all can jump back in if... Safe, uh, safe, safe. You're good to come in again. This is the safe zone. If you are skipping ahead, boop, 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 we're done. Okay. So on a completely different... Well, not a completely different note, but they on a fun, more fun note, in this year, like just a couple months ago, there was a news report that they found bones in the walls. Are you sure that's fun? That Stay seems a little not fun. They were freaked out. Uh, and I watched a whole video about it. And they're, the the fun part is just how upfront every single uh, mem fan is about the, pl- the fact that this place is haunted. Like the journalist, everyone interviewed, they're like, yeah, this place is super haunted. So uh, we, <laughs> we don't really love working here, but... <laughs> We found these bones. There's some things that make us uncomfortable. Yeah. What can you do? It turns out that they were cow bones. Oh, from it, from when he was a pharmacist? We don't know. Because there's a lot of stuff that we use cow bones for um, that would pertain. And pharmacies were also small restaurants. And mm-hmm. um, there, I mean, bone powder was being used in some. So I mean, it might have been from that. Yeah. I guess that's an interesting theory. Like, they don't know how old they are or why they were put in there um but yeah i'm glad they were only cow bones though yes <laughs> i was like God. i know it's it sounds bad but just stay with me um yeah so that's a fun mystery but yeah like i said this place is just generally agreed upon by all locals that it is haunted as fuck so if you want to head there uh it's open i think wednesdays through sundays from 5 p.m to 3 a.m but they have also said that it nobody really goes there before midnight because it is strictly like an after after, after you party. go out drinking you go to Ernestina Hazel's to end the night with a burger. Huh. And that sounds delightful. Not me. I will go there at 5 <laughs> when it's dead and I don't have to compete for space. Yeah. Um but okay, there's one more quote that I want to read you from this Thrillist article. This is why I'm quoting all my sources, or I'm citing all my sources because I'm just quoting from them whole cloth, and they're very good. Yeah. Um. So this this article was really mostly about the burger, and it made me very hungry. But they kind of ended off by talking kind of more waxing poetic about it. But uh, they say the sole burger comes out comes in a red basket with golden flake, thin and crispy potato chips. Our man at the grill told us on the weekends he usually cooks between 250 to 300 soul burgers. Mostly a night? A night. Holy shit. Mostly between the hours of midnight and 3 a.m. So say he cooks 100 before the midnight rush. That still leaves 200 burgers to cook in 180 minutes. I've spent days thinking about this. That's what the quote is. How? Uh, That's so many burgers. it must be an enormous flat top, and he can't be the oh, only yeah. cook doing it. Probably not. But, like, holy shit. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Oh, it's, it sounds really good, too. I love yeah. fried onions on a burger. Oh, it sounds so good. I'm so excited to try it when I'm there next. Um, if you are in Memphis anytime soon, go to this place. 
um, go to the Fontaine House, the Woodruff Fontaine Woodruff House. Fonta- Actually, they have kind of similar hours. Woodruff Fontaine also only open Wednesday through Sunday. Really? Mm-hmm. But probably earlier in the day. And of course, you can always go to Memphis, which I, I'm sorry, Memphis, uh, Graceland, which I think is open seven days a week. Possibly okay. not on Sunday. Elvis was super into Jesus. <laughs> Possibly. I could see that being not open yeah. on Sunday. And you know what? I'm going to invite you all to Google that yourselves. Yes. Um, they do have, I think, Halloween tours at the Woodruff Fontaine house. And they also, um, I was I was told by Laura to give a few shout outs um, to the Broom Closet, which is, I think, like a supply apothecary store. Cool. For all your witchy needs, go there. Uh, there's also historical haunt tours. And there's also a brew bus tour where they just, you can drink beer and ride around on a bus and have a grand old time. And then there's also the Elmwood Cemetery is also supposedly very haunted. Very haunted. I read up on that one, but I decided not to include it. Okay. But you can go there and you can take a tour of that place as well. And you can hear all the stories that we didn't cover. Yeah. And there are a lot. Yeah. Memphis is not a joke, man. There's a lot of of life there. there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, uh, that's Ernestine Hazel's. That's Memphis. That's... That's life. That's That's love. That's Tennessee. We have some friends down in Tennessee. You know who we are. You are. We love you. You know who we are. You know who we are as well. (laughs) Shut up. I don't want to be smart. I'm pretty. I had to learn software stuff, so my brain's tired. Yes. It's, I have, like, I keep shouting fur trade facts at people. (laughs) I know things. I know things. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Tell me about a gyroscope again. I'll tell you about how castorum comes from the beaver anal gland. Oh, I don't like that. Gave us castor oil and also raspberry scents and flavoring. Castor oil comes from beaver ass? Mm. I think so. That feels right. I'm starting to forget. Jen, it's 9.08. Yep. It's about I gotta time. go to bed. You're gonna turn into a pumpkin soon. I, we are, I mean, you've heard it already. It's happening. Yes. <laughs> the pumpkin time is happening earlier and earlier because my poor little brain is tired. <laughs> it works so hard, Jen. Yes. None of it is anything it knows already. Yep. Um, so yeah, we're gonna end it. Uh, we're, a, we're we're gonna skip the listener story tonight, but oh, now I feel bad. No, it's fine. We'll um, have another good one. I, I mean, we could have just pretended we forgot, but we didn't forget. We've been educated. We're decision. actively not doing it. Uh, but we'll don't worry. We'll have more. We have a very good one that we wanted to do, but it's four pages long, so that might need its own mini sode. <laughs> I am super excited about the concept, and I think that we can partner with some other things. So just be excited, everybody. Yeah, stay tuned. Um, also stay tuned for, we. I promise you, we are really like working on rolling out merch and Patreon stuff. That That's is, another reason we're skipping the learner, listener story. We got to go have a business to, meeting. We need to go meet about it, like business people. And I've already had three meetings today, mm. and they were hard. Sorry. Yeah. So thank you all so much for listening. Uh, seriously, guys, we very genuinely love you. we do love you. Mm-hmm. Just in case you were ever like, do they care about? They us? don't care about me. We do care. Fun we fact. care about you. <laughs> I don't like that. Yes. Stop that. <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, everybody who listens, thank you guys so much. Uh, love you. <laughs> cool. Uh, follow us. Uh, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to know what those handles are, just look in the description because I write it in there every They're single time, and I never there. know if anyone reads it. So come hang out with us. Say hi. 
Um, we have the happiest corner on the internet. Yeah. So come join our Facebook group. It's the literal tits. Literal. Nothing bad about it. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful. Okay. Well, uh, peace we... in your creases. Yeah. <laughs> Good night. My ass hurts. Bye. This is so frequently how I end conversations too. I don't want to sit here anymore. Goodbye. My ass hurts. <laughs> Goodbye. Okay. Uh, stay spooky, motherfucker. Stay spooky, motherfucker. My ass hurts. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>